Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, truly is. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Would you stand with me? Some of you you guys are already acting like you're on vacation now. Can I get a good hearty praise the Lord? Amen, amen. Isn't it great to be in a country where you can sing God bless America? Truly blessed is the nation whose God is our God, amen. Let's uh, begin to read together Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Paul is writing here about freedom, which we're going to speak about this morning, freedom's call. If you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you as we stand, God, in a country that's free. And we stand to read your word, which brings more and more freedom to our life every time. So illuminate our hearts, we pray this morning, as we lift up your name. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everyone says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you once again for being here. I know there's a lot of different places you could be. So Fourth of July for me is one of my favorite holidays. I mean, you have Easter and Christmas, which are definitely my top one and two. And then you have the Fourth of July, which is in my top three easy. I'm talking about we go all out. We've already been in the pool. I'm going to smoke some brisket. I'm going to have a corn dog about this long. Can I get an amen? I'm going to go out to the, the, to the parade and see, you know, I love the Marlowe Parade because everybody shows up for the Marlowe Parade, you know. It's, anybody can get in there, and that's a lot of fun. We go out there, and we wave the flags. I've already bought my T-shirt online, and it's in the mail. and It's already been sent through the mail, and it's at my house. And it's got Abraham Lincoln with a cool set of sunglasses that says America on it. I love it. I'm ready for the 4th of July. If you walk into my house right now, you'll see a table, and Mary's already bought some slap bracelets with the American flag and American pins, and God bless America, and we love our country. I mean, it is a celebration at our house. If you pull up into my yard, you'll see flags posted around my property. You'll see one waving in the tree, and then you'll see another one, another couple banners from my front porch. Man, I love the 4th of July. So to be able to preach and, and talk about freedom, man, I'm, you have no idea how much I've been anticipating this moment. And that's what I want to talk about is really just that freedom has a call, doesn't it? Freedom beckons unto us, and it's something that, uh, you know, is unusual. It's something that's exciting. It's something that not everybody has the opportunity to feel the same call and interpret it the, the same way that we do. And, and, and I'm certainly talking about the nation that we live in, but I want to focus even more so on the freedom that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Paul is writing Galatians, he is writing as a man with a fire in his heart, if you will. He's writing with a man with fervor. This is one of the few books out of all the ones that he's written, or letters, if you will, out of all the ones that he has written, that he doesn't begin to commend people. I mean, he jumps right in there. It's like he has enough, um, enough, he has two words to say, I'm the Apostle Paul, I'm from Jesus Christ, and then immediately he starts defending the freedom that we have in Christianity. Some people have kind of made their way into the church that he's writing to, and, and they're doing some crazy things. They're teaching that they must go back and, and be all tied up with traditions and, and eating and all these different things that Jewish people had to do. And Paul is saying, listen, you can't go back to where you were. You are now in the grace and the goodness and the freedom of Jesus Christ, and the only way to go is to go forward. It's not to go back to who we were, but it's to go forward in who we can be in Christ Jesus. Amen? So he is writing Galatians. 
Galatians, and he has a fire in his belly. I mean, he, he starts, like, calling people out. Like, he starts calling, he goes, James, you do good until you get around other people. And then all of a sudden, you begin to kind of melt back and, and not, not walk in the freedom that God has given you. And the, through Jesus Christ, you kind of get mixed up there. I mean, he starts name-dropping. I mean, it's an amazing as he writes this book because he's very serious as he talks to his friends, as he talks to the Galatians and saying, listen, I know some people have crept in. Some Judaizers have crept in and they're coming to you and saying that um, salvation is now based on what you can do. How many of us know our salvation is not based on what we can do? It's the unmerited favor and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dying once for sin, amen, that the great price could be paid. And we don't have anywhere to go but forward. And we embrace that. And in that, we have freedom. And freedom calls unto you. And we can set with expectation. Growing up in a household, and I'm going to tell my mom and dad here. But growing up in a household, we had six people in our house. And sometimes, you know, I wasn't always the greatest kid. And you know what I'm talking about? I know it's hard to believe now, but I didn't always make the greatest decisions. And my parents would call unto me. And depending on how they would call unto me would kind of let me know what to expect would kind of set the level of expectation if they would come up to me and say matt my mom and dad were always very good on the mornings of my birthdays throughout all the years always saying hey matt good morning happy birthday i hope it's a great day that type of deal you know and then there they would call me they'd call me matthew my mom calls me matthew and she goes oh matthew it'll be okay but on the on the rare occasion that they string it all together and call me matt allen that is a different expectation in my soul growing up that usually means that I was in a fight that I didn't need to be in or I broke something or I shouldn't have said something that I said. Anybody else, anybody else imperfect in here? So whenever they would look at me and they would go, Matt Allen, that calling set a different expectation inside of me. I knew that there was maybe a little bit of discipline to come after that. Now, it was funny at my house because with six people, you know, you get worked up whenever you're trying to discipline and correct. And I don't know about y'all's house, but at our house, sometimes my mom and dad, particularly my mom, would go through all six names before she got to the person she was trying to. You guys are going to talk about Matthew, Mark, Shannon, Susie, Charlie, our dog. I mean, she'd call them all until she got to the one, you know, being all worked up. But, but I knew the calling. It beckoned unto me that there was something different. And freedom has that call. Freedom has that call that it calls unto us, and it sets an expectation in our life. See, as my parents call unto me, we give, I got a father in heaven that calls unto his children and doesn't call them to go back into the slavery of sin. It doesn't call us to go back into the slavery where our mind was bound with hope and to, or with hopelessness and depression and faithlessness, right? But instead, it is now girded up with faith that our Lord and Savior has done everything that needs to be done. And if we will stand in his presence and, and listen to him and hold on to his salvation, then we can be where we need to be, amen? And it calls unto us, it, it beckons unto us, and it, it says, listen, don't go back to where you were, but you're in a new place. It calls us unto one of the most important things that everyone else doesn't have in their religions, but we have in ours, because ours is not a religion, it's a relationship. See, true freedom calls you into that relationship, doesn't it? And Paul's saying, listen... Oh, man, the relationship with Jesus Christ as he writes the book of Galatians. And he says it so many times in different ways that it's not based off of what we can do or what we think we need to do, but it's based off the relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior, that it was his love and his grace that embraced us to that freedom. And he's pleading with his friends, and he's saying, listen, it's not religion, it's not, oh, dry, dead religion, but rather it's a vibrant, living relationship in which we can find freedom. Because, you know, in religion, 
religion and, and, and things that are not relationally based, just contractually based, I mean, that can get very difficult. You're just kind of going through the motions. Whatever I have to do to get it done, whatever I need to do, whatever the expectation is, let me just meet that sometimes to the very minimal so I can do what I need to do. But in a vibrant relationship, it's like, God, what do I need to do for you, man? I'm just in love for you. You want me to give? You want me to speak? You want me to go? You want me to care? Whatever you want to do, help me to do that from the depths of my heart. Amen? But that's what relationship will do. And that's what true freedom does. It beckons us unto that relationship. And Paul is saying, don't go back. Now, there's some things that we want to understand how, how freedom calls us, how freedom calls us. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17, verse 18, Paul helps us understand. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? 18, and when we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, the Spirit of God, which is our Lord, which is our Savior, works on the inside of us, works around us, amen? You know, God's doing not only stuff on the inside, we talk about that a lot, but you know, God is doing some stuff around us, isn't he? It's okay. You know, we're on the winning side of this, not on the losing side. God's opening up some doors that we can't see. He's making a way that we can't see. He's working on our behalf because he loves us and we're called. And we can sit in that freedom and know that he's doing that. Amen? And, and, and Paul is saying, listen, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is our Lord. So what God is doing on the inside of us, he wants to do on the outside of us. And he's making a way. So we're drawn. Freedom calls us through the Spirit of the living God. So God is working on the inside of us, and where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that exciting to know that because the Holy Spirit is in my life, in my heart, that making a way for me that I know that there's freedom. There's freedom to believe for great things that God still wants to move. There's a freedom to believe this. How many of you guys have ever just felt stuck? Like, man, I just cannot get out of this thought process. You know, I've tried so hard, God, to break this bondage and this chain off of my life and that's probably the problem is we're trying to break it off instead of letting the holy spirit break it off amen but that's the freedom that's the freedom that we have that's the freedom that that, that many of the rulers of of darkness all of them and rulers of of what we once called the church you know was kind of like listen we don't want them to really have this information we don't really want them to know that they have the ability to and, and to walk and rule their own life under jesus christ as the holy spirit reveals to them the true freedom and the true nature of what salvation through Jesus Christ offers us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who speaks to you both to will and to, do, and, and to work for his good pleasure. So it says, for God works in you. Now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and the Spirit of the Lord is on the inside and also doing things around us, and we know that God works on the inside of us. So what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is what God is saying to us, and it's working on the inside of us for His good pleasure. Isn't that amazing? That's where the true freedom is, is in the pleasure of the Lord. Now we understand why the joy of the Lord is my strength, because when I'm truly in the joy of the Lord and I'm working to His pleasures and doing what He's asked me to do it's amazing that's where i find the true joy that's where i find the true strength that's where i find the the, the freedom that can only come through our lord and savior jesus christ and paul is letting us know even in philippians he's so he's spreading the message around he's telling everybody he's telling the galatians he's telling the philippians i mean he's telling the corinthians that listen there is freedom in christ jesus and i want to encourage you this morning that listen whatever you're struggling with 
whatever that circumstance or that situation. And it doesn't have to necessarily be something that you've brought on yourself, but maybe something that just hits you. Do not lose heart, but cling to the reality that true freedom, freedom from that situation, freedom from the bondage, freedom from the chains is with us. We just embrace it and trust our sovereign God. Amen. And Paul is saying that because true freedom, true freedom is the ability to be transformed into the image of God. See, true freedom is to help us understand that, listen, day after day after day, if I hang in here and do everything that I can to honor God, that I'm constantly being transformed into the image of my Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not God, nor do I want to be God, but one thing that I find out is that I'm constantly being transformed into the likeness and to the image of our Lord and Savior. This is the amazing thing, and the freedom in that is this. It's not because of what I do. What I do is now a product of what I believe. Okay, that's the difference. So you take all the other different religions and you got to do this and do this and do this and it's this big checklist that you'll never be able to fulfill and it seems like the people at the hierarchy can do it all and the people in the low man just can't get them. That's not what Christ is saying. Listen, it's freedom for all. It's freedom for everyone. And to be changed in the likeness and the image of our Lord and Savior is an amazing freedom to have because it's something that I strive for but it's also something that happens on the inside of me just because my Lord and Savior loves me. And he knows the best thing for me is to be like him. True freedom also honor God. It, it honors God. It calls us to our creator. True freedom calls us to our creator, to the only one who knows the depths of our soul. That's what's amazing about freedom. Freedom in Christ means I can stand before my Lord and Savior on a day-to-day -day basis and truly tell him who I am and what I struggle with. As I mentor young men and, 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 and teenagers and different things like that, one of the things that I encourage them constantly is, listen, if you really want to grow in your Lord and Savior, if you really want to do that, stand before him in your prayer time, in your devotion time, in your quiet time, whatever it is that you call it, stand before him and tell him how you really feel, what you really struggle with. I said, he already knows. But there's a freedom and an understanding that whenever I stand before God and say, listen, this is truly how I feel at this moment. I truly don't understand. I truly don't think it's fair. I truly want to, and this is where real freedom comes in, is that I stand before my God and I say, listen, I feel like acting this way right now, but I know this is not what you've called me to do. Help me turn this desire into a desire that honors you. I mean, that's true freedom. You can't stand before kings or dictators or anything like that and say, listen, this is how I truly feel without something coming back on you, some kind of reproach or some kind of punishment or negative behavior, amen? But our Lord and Savior that beckons us, that calls us, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there's freedom in knowing that I can be who I am and, and have desire and the freedom to know that, God, listen, you're not going to leave me like I am. Can I have an amen on that? You're not going to leave me like you found me, God. And that's the true freedom. See, this is the amazing thing. If you take Mozart or you take um, any of the great um, musical pianists, if you take any of the great artists, Da Vinci, all these guys, this is the thing about them. They, they could not take their genius and implement it into somebody else's life. That's the reason why we sit back in awe at some of these men and women who are like, man, these guys are just geniuses. But no matter how hard they try, they could kind of teach some people to their level. But what they could not do is reproduce their genius inside of someone else. See, our Lord and Savior, though, because He has all ability, He can reproduce Himself inside of us. 
That means the things that he holds of value can now be of value to me. The things that he can teach me to navigate through life and how he would do it and how the word of God says to do it, now all of a sudden that can be reproduced in me. And that's the amazing thing. That's the amazing thing about the freedom is he's not holding on to these things and saying, listen, these are mine. But salvation is not something to be selfish with, but it's something to be shared with. Amen? It's something to share. And that's what Christ is saying. And that's what Paul is even writing to his Galatian friends and saying, listen, we don't want to go back. We know that's not the way. The only way is forward. And he's sharing the gospel. And he said, listen, I've come to you and I've shared this and I've poured out my heart. So hang on to the freedom and freedom has that call. And this morning, I just want to I just want to want you to consider with me some some calls that freedom freedom has. Freedom calls us to walk in freedom. Amen. Freedom calls us to walk in freedom. As I read Galatians chapter five, verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom. See, Paul is saying, don't walk in freedom and don't appreciate it. He's not saying that. Listen, appreciate freedom, love freedom, walk in freedom, do all the things that you possibly can. Be free in freedom, which sounds crazy, but how many times does God give us a gift and we don't pull it off the shelf and use it? And freedom is a gift that, listen, I'm not who I am. The Spirit of God can move through us and work in our lives and in our hearts and our minds despite us being broken, despite us being messed up, despite us being damaged, that if I will hang in there, I know that it's not based on me, that it's based on Him, and that's the freedom that I have in Christ. And Paul's saying, listen, but don't use your freedom just for selfishness. Freedom is an amazing tool. Freedom is something that will empower you because you realize that, wait a second, I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not. Man, if you've ever had to do that, if you've ever had that hidden sin, which I know that I have and maybe you have had that too, I'm telling you, it weighs heavy on you and it's difficult and you feel trapped and you feel in bondage. Christ is saying, listen, you don't have to do that. Through Paul, he's saying, listen, you don't have to do that anymore. He's saying, but don't use it for selfish reasons. And what happens is we find something that empowers us, and if we're not careful, we become, we become blinded, and we don't use it correctly. So Paul is saying, listen, be free in freedom. Man, you mess up. Things don't go right. You fail. You have freedom in Christ to hit your knees, to raise your hands, to be driving in a truck down the road and say, God, forgive me, and he'll forgive us, amen? No one has to go in and do it for you. Nobody has to say the, 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 the right words. You don't have to spin around three times, kick over two pews. You don't have to do any of that, do you? Your heart just has to be in the right position and saying, God, forgive me for this sin. Help me to break loose of it. But in the midst of all that, don't use it for selfish reasons. It's not a sin, go sin as much as you want to card. It's not a, well, you know, God's working on my behalf, so I'm going to do whatever pleases me, and I know that God will bail me out. How many of us know that God's not the government? He doesn't do government bailouts, amen? He'll make us walk through some of that stuff, you know? I'm sorry you bought an $80 million jet, <laughs> now you've got to deal with it, you know? He'll make us do that. But Paul is writing, he's saying, listen, don't use it for selfish reasons. It's a tool to be used. Forbes did an article a, a while back that I was reading, and it talked about how the number one tool, so what it did is it did a survey of the top 20 tools that people use. 
And they had all kinds of people on their board when they were writing this article. They had science professors, and they had history professors, and they had engineering people. I mean, they had all kinds of, of people that, that really knew their stuff. Then they surveyed about 3,000 people, and then they had two editors go ahead and cast their votes, and they found the number one tool that helped mankind. Now, we know that language is a tool and things of that nature, but a physical tool, the number one tool was a knife. It was interesting to hear this story because they began to think about the knife in a way that most of us didn't think about it. This is what they said. They said the knife, the knife helps feeds us, shelters us, defends us, and assures our survival. It's the most reliable, useful, and important tool in human history. Isn't that incredible? Of all the things that were surveyed, they said a knife. Whenever I look at a knife, all I see is something to cut something with. But if you really understand a knife... You can cut meat with it. You can build shelter. You can cut limbs down. You can use it for a complete survival God. And you can have that. But just looking at a plain knife, if you don't have the knowledge, if you're not willing to dig into it, it just looks like a knife that just something with a sharp blade. And you think one-dimensional and you can only use it one way. Listen, freedom in Christ is that same way. It's a tool to be used, and we've got to be willing to look at it and say, listen, this is not just freedom to make me feel better every day. This is not just freedom to do this or that, but it's freedom to grow in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's freedom that the Holy Spirit power can actually work through me, and I can pray for people, lay hands on them, and see the sick recovered, that there's some moral issues that all of us have to fix, and I can go before my Lord and Savior, and He can work miracles through me, that I don't have to stay a dirty vessel, that I can be a clean vessel, that I don't have to stay who I am today, tomorrow, and a hundred years from now, but I can grow in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's freedom as I look at it. I look at it as a tool and say, God, as I maneuver in your freedom that can only come from you, God, how do I use it to its fullest potential? How do I use it for survival? You know, because at times in our life, let's be real, the world doesn't stop. Bad things happen. And sometimes we don't want to admit it, but sometimes how many of us are just day-to-day -day sometimes surviving, right? Yeah. We're, not, we're not meant to stay there, but the reality, if you've ever been through a maid surgery or you've had a tragic event happen, something happens to a family member, difficult times, you know, you're just thinking, God, I'm just surviving. But that's whenever we embrace our freedom and say, you know, God, I know it looks like the world's closing in on me. I, it looks like I don't, I, I'm not going to make it out of here. But God, I just look up to you where my help comes from. And I move around in that help and I embrace that help. And I know that your help is on the way. And that's my freedom. That it's not based on my merit or what I can do. Sure. How many of us know we can make some decisions to help out situations? Amen. Yeah, we can. But God even works on those situations where we make bad decisions. And that's the freedom that we have is, God, I'm trying to do my very best of what you've called me to do, and I need you to have my back. It's not based on what I can do, what you can do. And that's what Paul's saying. Listen, don't only use it for yourself. He calls us to freedom. I mean, think about it. 32 AD, Acts chapter 2, there's 120 followers that's waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up and fills them. They begin to speak with other tongues. I mean, amazing things began to happen. Peter, which just got through denying Christ three times, is restored, walks out and gives one of the greatest sermons ever given. Thousands of people come to the saving grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But they were waiting on the freedom. They were waiting on that freedom that set it free. I mean, Peter got set free from his past. And this was the amazing thing is his past wasn't 20 years ago. It was more like 50 to 75 days ago. <laughs> 
So we don't have excuses when it comes to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can restore because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 1517, Martin Luther either nails or glues the 95 Theses to the door of the church and says, listen, there's a better way to do this. I believe that man can look at the Bible and interpret the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit speak to him. This is an interesting thing about Martin Luther, is whenever he did that, he began the Protestant Reformation, which we're all blessed because he did that. Galatians was one of those books that drove him to do it. He began to read Galatians and understand the freedom that he has, that the believer has in Jesus Christ. And it set that fire in his belly, and he began to realize that there's got to be a better way to do this. And freedom has that call. Freedom also has the call that it calls us beyond the moment. It calls us beyond the moment. Galatians chapter 5, or 5 verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. It helps us understand that it calls us beyond the moment. It calls us past that moment. We can be easily eaten up by flesh. The moment can overwhelm us. Our freedom in the moment we forget and we say, God, you're trying to move and you're trying to do something and it's not all about me. It calls us past the moment. I love what Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 34, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, and they get arrested. Many of you know the story. They're pulled into the Roman prison, the jailer, the Philippian jailer. Now, this would be the inner prison. So many times those prisons would be set up or the jails would be set up where there would be an outer, outer jail. And then you would go on down a little bit further. And that's where some of the people that committed some pretty heinous crimes were, were at. Paul and Silas is in there and they're chained. They're, 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 they're in bondage. I mean, they're having a rough time. Paul has been beaten at this point. I mean, crazy things are going on. And he's in a place where, can you imagine the smells of the dark dungeon? Can you imagine the rats running around? Can you imagine the kind of people that he was with? I mean, these were very difficult times. And then all of a sudden, as this story goes, they begin to sing hymns and begin to look past their current circumstance and their current moment and say, God, we don't understand why all this is going on, but we know that you're going to move on our behalf, that you're going to do something. And they begin to sing praises, and all of a sudden, the great earthquake shakes. The prison doors open. The Philippian jailer that is so scared at one point runs back into the jail, and he's about to kill himself because the reason why he does that is because people who were set guard under Rome Roman authority over the jailers if any of their prisoners were to escape they were responsible and it would cost them their life it's the same reason why whenever Paul was on the ship that crashes on the island of Malta the the jailer there is about to kill all the prisoners on board because if any of them escapes it would cost him his life and he'd rather kill them all and keep his life but here this Philippian jailer is about to kill himself and then Paul says no don't do that don't do that we're all still here and I think about Paul's current circumstances, 30, verse 33 of Acts 16. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he baptized, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Paul ran out at a time that he was put in jail, in a lot of ways illegally. Same thing happened to Joseph, if you, as you guys know the story. I mean, it was just horrible things that happened. But in that moment, he was able to look past it. I mean, with, think about it. With wounds on his back, with being in that dark dungeon place that he didn't ask for, his first thought was, 
I wonder if the jailer's saved. Because he runs out to him and he says, don't do that. And he begins to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that's some true freedom. The true freedom that I'm going to look past my moment of hurt. I'm going to look past my moment of disappointment. I'm going to look past the moment that I didn't ask for and that I didn't deserve. I'm going to look past that and say, God, what is the bigger picture? What is the bigger vision? What are you trying to do right now, God? And it's hard to look past our hearts. It's hard to look past those times where we think that, God, we've just been done dirty. There's some injustice here that you need to take care of. I mean, could Paul come out and said, God, burn this whole place down with fire? Could he have just snuck out and worried about his own skin and I've got to get healed up and I've got to do all this but he didn't he was able to look past that moment and the entire jailer the whole family got saved the whole family got baptized and God was doing something bigger see that's true freedom when we look past those current situations because we know that God is moving on our behalf and that's what freedom calls us the Holy Spirit tells us and shows us listen I know you're going through a rough time I know you didn't ask for it but listen keep the bigger vision look past the moment that you're in because something great's about to happen. We don't want to lose ourselves in the moment. It's June 18th, 2013. It's game six of the NBA Finals. It's the Miami Heat versus the San Antonio Spurs. Many of you may have watched it. It's very interesting because there's less than 30 seconds left in the game and they're down by four. The Miami Heat's down by four. They call a timeout. They do what they know to do. And by a miracle, they come back and they tie the game. A gentleman named Ray Allen hits a corner shot three that is just nothing but a hope. I mean, he barely gets past the three-point line, sets up perfect form, bam, swishes it, sends them to overtime. What had happened is the fans in the stand grew restless with 30 seconds in the game to go, and many of them began to file out of the stadium. They began to leave because they thought, you know what, there's no hope, there's no point, there's no way this team can come back. What they didn't want to see, because it was, it was make it or break it. If the Heat lost, the San Antonio, San Antonio won the national championship that year. If they, if, they, if they didn't, then they survived another game. And it was interesting because the Heat actually won that game, then went on to win the series and win the NBA Finals. And all these people began to file out. Well, the first shot is hit three points away. The second shot is hit at the five seconds before the buzzer. And then all, these, all of a sudden, all these fans begin to turn around and come back and begin to come back in the stadium. But this is their only problem. There's people at the gate saying, listen, I'm sorry, you already exited. You can't come back in. One of the greatest moments in history, one of the greatest comebacks in history, now fans, because they left too early, are forced to stand behind glass doors and watch one of the great moments in history through glass doors and through TV sets. When if they would have just hung on and not got lost in the moment, wouldn't have given up hope, they could have been on the sidelines watching it, watching it happen in person, in live action. Guys, we were not meant to watch what God's doing through a set of glass doors. We were not meant for watching what God's doing behind on just a TV screen, if you will. But we are meant to be in the action, amen? We are meant to be down there on the court seeing history unfold before our eyes. So don't get lost in your moment. God's trying to do something. I know it's not the prettiest. I know it's probably difficult. I know it's not happening and maybe unfolding like we think. But realize that true freedom is this, that God, I can stay here and I can be content. That's what Paul says. Be content in whatever life you were given. Just do the work of the Lord. And that is true freedom when we can sit back and say, God, I know that you're going to move on 
on my behalf. I know that it doesn't all look okay, but God, you're going to move. And think about the tremendous witness that is to everybody else looking back and saying, okay, we're going to see what this person's really going to do now. We're going to see how their actions change, how their attitude change. And when it doesn't, and we stand there in the freedom of our Lord and Savior, know that you're going to move on my behalf, that Holy Spirit, you're going to speak to me in my heart, my mind. You're going to encourage me and lift me up and make a way that I can sit firm and know that, God, you're going to do that. And I don't wind up on the outside of the stadium. Instead, I'm right there on the sideline saying, I'm glad I lasted 30. Could you think about that? This was what was interesting in that. Those dudes that walked out, they had paid $600 at least for their seats. Could you imagine that? Leaving 30 minutes early. That, I mean, you're driving up to the sea. I'm thinking, man, this is going to be the game of, a game of my life. I can't wait. And then you leave, and then you realize that was the game of your life, but you gave up for it in 30 seconds. Guys, we never know what's on this side of that 30 seconds, don't do we? Hang on, because we're made to sit beside God. We're made to watch this stuff as it unfolds. Amen. Hebrews 11 and 6 just reminds us that, listen, we diligently seek Him. So what do we do when, it's, when we're not working out, when, when things aren't working out, when we don't feel like God's moving on our behalf? Because remember, God's doing things in the supernatural that we can't always see. That's the freedom, is that, God, you're making a way. That's what calls into my heart is, God, I'm looking at my situation, and I don't understand, but I'm going to still set an excitement, and I'm not going to give up early. I'm going to dredge this thing out and walk through it because I know the prize that you have on the other side could be one of the greatest moments in history, and whatever happens, God, I don't want to miss that moment. Whether it's in my life, whether it's in the world, God, I want to stand and watch you do amazing things. So don't get lost in the modem. That's true freedom, amen? The, modem, the moment doesn't overwhelm us because our God is bigger than our moment. And then we go on, the final thing here is freedom's cause, it calls us to action. A call for freedom is simply it calls us to action. For you were called to the freedom, brothers, not only to use your freedom, as, um, no, do not only use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, the call of freedom, the call of salvation is that we move into action. We begin to serve, and you start out where you are. You might not be able to serve like somebody else. You might not know what they know. Don't get overwhelmed. Listen, you just start doing the very best that you can. And then as you grow in your Lord and Savior, as I grow in my Lord and Savior, then we know that the actions will grow. Amen? But we don't get caught up in that. But listen, the call of freedom is a call to action. Paul is writing. I mean, think about this. Paul doesn't care. He knows that as people read this, that people are going to get mad. He could be in prison. He could be beaten. He knows that it could cost him his life. But he also knows the freedom that he's experienced in Jesus Christ. And he wants the men and women that he's writing to to experience that same freedom. And say, listen, I don't want you to go back. I don't want you to be who you were. I don't want you to get lost in tradition and dietary things. And, and even the physical circumcision that people were saying that you have to have to be saved. He said, listen, all of those things are exterior things and they don't matter. What matters is the heart, that our heart is in the right place with God. And once he figured that out, once he understood that, he was wanting to share this message through Galatians and say, listen, read this know this oh there's a fire in my belly to tell you that listen man god has freedom and he is the only true freedom galatians chapter 1 verse 6 9 i mean think this is the words of paul i am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of christ and turning into a different gospel see they're turning it into a different gospel it's not the original gospel of grace of freedom not that there is another one. So Paul says, listen, man, there, there's not another one, but you're trying to make another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel of heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. I mean, Paul really goes overboard. He goes, listen, I was there. I was preaching at your church. I was preaching in your homes. I was preaching to you about the grace and the goodness and the freedom that we can only find in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you this, if I show up or an angel shows up or the people that were with me show up and preach something different to you, that is a lie. Do not believe it. Now, he's saying that's not going to happen. But you see from his heart that he's saying, listen, I'm going to cover all bases. I'm really going to embellish this to help you understand how serious this is. And you see that Paul, man, Paul's being called to action. I'm not going to sit back on my thumbs and just pray and hope God does something. But instead, I'm going to do whatever I can to help preach that gospel, to share that gospel, to love in that gospel. And it's a scary thing. But whenever you do it, you find that true freedom. In the book, Gateway to Freedom, The Hidden History of the Underground Railroad, there's a great story in there where Harriet Tubman is leading some slaves to freedom. The slaves were Frank Wanzer, his fiancée Emily Foster, and a married couple, Barnaby and Elizabeth, and Mary Elizabeth Grigby. And they were on their way to the north, and their ultimate stop was Canada. And on their way, they were stopped in a northern city, and they were surrounded. They were surrounded by all these men that were white, that were wanting to take them back into slavery. But what they didn't realize is that this bunch that was trying to escape had weapons. So all of a sudden, they were surrounded by the enemy. They began to take out double-barreled hand pistols. They began to take out big knives and rifles. And then all of a sudden, you know what happened? The enemy began to step away and say, you know what? You just need to keep going where you're going. We're just going to keep our mouth shut and leave you alone. It's the amazing thing when I think about that story because I think about the power of freedom. Sometimes we feel like we're surrounded and God has us on a mission to where he wants us to be. Freedom in that situation. Freedom from that addiction. Freedom from that thought life. Freedom from that. And sometimes the enemy can surround us and say, no, I want you to go back to where you came from. And we need to pull out our weapon, our tool of freedom and say, no, I don't have to surrender to you because I have freedom in Christ Jesus. I have the freedom to believe that I can become something in him. I have the freedom to believe that this addiction, that this situation is not going to last forever. And one day the chains and the bond just will be broken and I'll be free to move in Christ like I've never been free to move in him amen and it's amazing whenever you pull that out the enemy will start backing off because the enemy can't fight with that because if the enemy can't take your mind captive if the enemy can't control your actions if the enemy can't control your thought or your voice then what power does he have over you and that's the amazing thing about the freedom that's what it calls us and beckons unto us and said listen Freedom's call is that we don't have to be who we were. Freedom's call is that we don't have to surrender to the enemy. Calling of the Israelites, I'm calling you to a land full of milk and honey. I'm calling you out of slavery and out of bondage and out of Egypt. Proverbs chapter 31 and 8 and 9 lets us know that we can speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. We can speak up for the ones who are judged unfairly and defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's what makes America so great. And I'm telling you, if we stop doing that in America, we're going to find ourselves walking backwards. Amen. That's been the thing that, that is, has really separated us from so many other countries. Isaiah chapter 1 and 17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. See, these are all freedoms that we don't have to care what other people think. We're going to do the right thing even when the right thing seems to be one of the most difficult things to do. That's true freedom. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, 17, only let each person le- lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him to which God has called him. This is my rule for all the churches, true freedom. I mean, Paul, whenever he says that, do you know how many different people Paul's talking to? Different situations, different circumstances, and he's saying, listen, I know that all those aren't the same, and I know they seem unjust, they seem unfair, but the one thing that we know is we can have tr- freedom in our Christ, in our Lord and Savior, and despite your current living situations, you can know that you can be content. I mean, that's true freedom. Some of the greatest happiness that you find is the families out there who may not have everything in the world. They may not have the white picket fence or four or five boats. You guys know what I'm talking about. But man, they love one another and they're together and they are there conquering major things. God's working through them in major ways. How many times do we stand back on the outside and say, I wonder what they have that I don't? They have that true freedom to do. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and this is where I'll end. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. See, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So as the Spirit leads us to proclaim, and you know, that's not always by words, is it? It's just by the way that we live and by the way that we work. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and freedom has the call. The Spirit of the Lord has that call. It's a hope for true freedom. It's a hope despite my circumstances. It's a hope that, God, I don't have to be caught in the moment, but I can be moving on to where you've called me to move. See, that's true freedom. So whenever we say over this 4th of July, let freedom ring, we as believers, we know that that stands for our country, but there's something much deeper inside of us because our spirit bears witness that, yes, let freedom ring all across the world, that all peoples may know the power of our Lord and Savior, that they may all bend their knee and submit to him as Lord and Savior. Amen. We get excited and we think, why? Because it's the spirit on the inside of you that's bearing witness that's doing freedom's calls and saying, listen, this is for everyone all over, that we don't have to be who we were, that we can be a new creation in Christ Jesus, amen? So I don't know your circumstances, what's going on, but I want you to know, listen, God's right there beside you. Don't give up. If I could be so bold, don't give up 30 seconds too early. Hang in there. You weren't meant to be on this side of the glass door. We were meant to be in the stands. We were meant to be on God's side, watching as he does everything. So let's not give up too early, amen? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.